So, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like honored for Epstein Plan 9. I feel years. like a different person. Like a different person? Yeah. 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 A little bit. It was. Yeah, that was something. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so much that's referenced in pop culture that I, like, now, you know, completely, like, is made whole to me now. Because of Plan 9. Right. You're like, because oh, it's referencing. Yeah, this is what they're talking about. It's like, about. oh, exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, from like all like just the cheesy <laughs> UFO shots to just how terrible the acting is and everything in between. Yeah, and like the literal cardboard sets. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're outside, right? <laughs> no, you're not. That's that's definitely cardboard. <laughs> oh, and then you're gonna switch to a shot that's actually outside in the daytime. Okay. <laughs> Soundstage, nighttime to outside in the actual graveyard in broad daylight, but it's all still the same scene. <laughs> All right, are we ready to roll? Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, as always, Dennis, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Colin and Craig. How are you, gentlemen? Good. I, I'm excellent, Dennis. Good. Still recovering a little bit, you know? Yeah. Some wedding festivities. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Craig has wedding fatigue. Yeah, it's like open bar. Like, okay, don't invite me if it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Um, cool. Uh, well, I uh, just watched this movie that we're about to review, um, The Handmaiden. I just I woke up early and watched it, and before I knew it, two and a half hours passed. Because it really flies it by. Doesn't fuck! It? Oh my god! Yeah. Like I checked. It does I, not feel like. Yeah, like I I checked it because I was like trying to I was like starting to get hungry and I was like holy fuck I've already watched like an hour and a half of this, and yeah no yeah. it was that's how like. It's, riveting it is it is yeah. riveting yes it is um it is well done um we're talking about the park chan park chan wook movie uh, from 2016 um did it release earlier in korea or i did not look that up um it might have but it was at least it released here in the states in 2016 uh as dennis mentioned it's directed by park chan wook uh, many of you would know him for old boy um but basically the movie is this in japanese occupied korea a con man operating under the pseudonym of Count Fujiwara hires a pickpocket named Suki from a family of con artists to become a maid of a mysterious Japanese heiress, Lady Hideko, from uh, whom the Count plans to marry and commit to an asylum in order to steal her inheritance. Suki, taking on the name Tamako, enters Hideko's household, which is controlled by her authoritarian uncle, Kozaki. Hideko is haunted by the suicide of her aunt and claims to hear her voice at night. As Suki and Hideko spend more time together, they appear to get along well, Hideko allowing Suki to wear her dresses and jewelry. Hideko is also anxious about marrying the Count. Her feelings for him are not very strong, but Suki makes passionate love to her, promising her the same pleasures with the new husband. Suki begins expressing reluctance about following through with the plan, unhappy over the feigned attraction the Count has for Hideko, and Hideko herself feels that she cannot go through with the marriage, but Suki insists she do so, causing Hideko to slap her and run away in frustration. Kazuki leaves on a business trip for a week, reminding Hideko to always remember the basement. Hideko and the Count elope, and soon afterwards consummate their marriage, as indicated by a small bloodstain on Hideko's sheets the following morning. After cashing out Hideko's inheritance, Suki, Hideko, and the Count travel to the asylum, but Suki is taken away by the staff, having been told that she is in fact Hideko. After being left with one piece of jewelry by Hideko, Suki curses them as she is carried away. We now enter part two. As a young child, Hideko is taught to read by her aunt, 
but any errors and mistakes or any feelings of levity from either of them results in severe physical punishments from Kazuki. Kazuki houses a massive library of antique erotica, which he forces Hodaiko's aunt to read for arist aristocratic guests, which is then auctioned <coughs> off to them. Unable to handle the abuse, Hodaiko's aunt hangs herself from the tree in their yard. However, Kazuki takes Hodaiko into his basement, where he impli heavily implies that he murdered her after she had attempted to run away. As Hodaiko grows older, she reads the books in her aunt's place. She catches the eye of the Count, who possesses, who poses as an art forger that Kazuki hires to replicate the missing art from his books. He then meets Hodaiko in private, offering her an escape from her abusive life. He informs her of his plan to find a poor, illiterate Korean girl to pose as her handmaiden that will blindly assist the two in marrying, and once they've claimed the inheritance, she will commit the handmaiden in Hadaiko's place and live under her identity. Hadaiko is initially complacent in the plans, but finds her feelings for Suki growing over time. On the night Suki makes love to Hadaiko under the guise of strengthening her feelings for the Count, the two become increasingly more intimate, realizing their true love is for each other. Hadaiko breaks down and laments that she cannot marry the Count, though Suki tells her she must. Torn between her escape and her love for Suki, she attempts to hang herself from the same tree as her aunt, but she is saved by Suki, who tear tearfully confesses her culpability in trying to commit Hadaiko. They steal her inheritance and vow to get revenge on both of the Count and Kazuki. Over part three. Over dinner, uh, Fujiwara fantasizes over his, uh, or the Count, um, fantasizes over his wealth and the new life with Hadaiko. Meanwhile, Suki manages to escape the asylum by picking a lock to her leg brace with a, the hairpin that was given to her. She disguises herself as a firefighter and escapes. Hadaiko um, enters the room of the Count and poisons him with some wine, causing him to pass out so that she can escape as well. He then is captured and brought back to the house where he is tortured by um by kazuki and he manages to kill kazuki by smoking poisoned cigarettes in the enclosed space we then see that um hadaiko and suki have escaped on a boat by opposing one of them by uh, opposing hadaiko as a man and they uh travel off and they live a happy life together i love that ending yeah, um, I, I was shocked just by the fact that there is a happy in ending in a Park Chan Wook. <laughs> <laughs> it's so solid; like everything just comes together at the end, um, and it's just very satisfying. It's yeah. super satisfying, and everything about this movie is super satisfying. Yeah. Um, real quick, it had a budget of eight point eight million dollars and has a box office of thirty six million dollars. Um, it has an eight point one on IMDb, a ninety five percent Rotten Tomatoes, a ninety one percent Audience Tomatoes. Oh wow! Um, this movie is based on a novel uh, called Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Yeah, it which takes is, place in like London, set in Victorian London. Right. Um, and Park Chan Wook was reading this book and he was like got really interested in making this. Um, particularly the scene where Suki files down the tooth uh -huh. while um, Sadaiko is in the bath was the scene that he's like, I want to see that on the big screen. So he got really interested in making this movie. So he's like, how can I bring this Victorian English aesthetic or this whole thing to make it Korean? So, okay, we'll place it in the 1930s when Korea was occupied by Japan and we can have it work that way. Right. Huh. Yeah, it's... um. 
that's beautifully shot. Just, yeah. you, that was the first thing I wrote. Was just like the cinematography in this movie is outstanding. Yeah, because like, there's like not a single bad shot in this movie. No, like, it's crazy. And it's like so not, not only not a single bad <laughs> shot, not a single like gore shot that isn't gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's it's both the cinematography and the production design. I mean, the house is so beautiful. The library is so beautiful. Yep. The grounds are so beautiful. Even like the the boat that they're escaping on at the end is somehow like really stylized. Yeah. Yeah, um, all their rooms and everything, and like uh, just how they'll use just the the colors, like the green. How they use green in this movie is just so well done. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, yeah. it's just really nice. Um, gosh, it. Uh, I love how it's just delivered. You know, I, it it reminded me of uh, Gone Girl in that way, where it's just like halfway through the movie is a huge what the fuck. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the end of part. I was like, wait, why is she going to? Yeah. The, the end of part oh, one. <laughs> I was so shocked at the end of part one. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! And then we go into part two and we tell like the same story from Hadaiko's point of view. Yeah. And it's such a like masterfully crafted film. Right. Because it that I was. I I was worried going into that that it would be like a whole bunch of just like kind of like what Christopher Nolan does where it's like do you get it audience do you see well, the this, twist I'm doing on you but it's done in a way where it's not condescending at all exactly just, and that's why I'm like Park Chan-wook is a better filmmaker and a smarter filmmaker than Chris Nolan because well, yeah. he's not holding your hand he has respect for your intelligence yeah and uh just how it's handled that like it I mean it's a long movie. It's two and a half hours, but and it needs all of it to oh, tell the story. Oh yeah. yeah, they use it like they use that time like right. every minute of it. And that's certainly why it doesn't feel that way. I mean, shit. I I started this movie at like six thirty this morning, and like I was like it was like eight forty five, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> but I think part of why this is such a masterpiece is just Park Chan Wook's amazing attention to detail. With like I both lines that are just throw off things that get repeated later or picked up later, or just a a little visual thing that'll be like established and then delivered on later. Um, one instance is when she's in um, like her home with all the babies at the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. and she says like the one woman will only feed her own kid. If I had if my breast produced milk, I'd feed them all. And then when she's in the like sex scene with Hadaiko, she says if. I wish my breasts produced milk so I could feed you. Right. Yeah. Well, she's she's constantly referring to Hadaiko as like she's like, that she's a baby that she's taking care of. You know, like like she's always like saying like these tricks that like her that her mom taught her. You know, yeah. which was her not her mom but someone else, and um, her aunt. She's her always aunt. talking about like these things that her aunt taught her. Right. And that's another thing that I noted about like set up and and later paid off, which is um, when she's in the bath scene. She's talking about her aunt would like bathe all these the babies and uh, she would feed the babies candy to teach them that bath time was sweet. Right. And then when she's going to kiss Hadaiko, she first gets a piece of candy and like rubs it all over her lips to like teach her that like, oh, kissing and like, all this stuff is sweet. <laughs> it's such a like little payoff from a thing that was established so much earlier and like you didn't even notice that he was establishing it. Yeah. Right. It, and it, it it plays into just the character development of Suki, um, just how like she's just this like like at that point in the in in the story she's just you know she's like kind of regretful that she's pulling this con on this woman and everything and but she's like still trying to follow through with it and everything and then I mean it's that sex scene that she falls in love with her and everything 
you know, and she doesn't want to anymore. Well, I, I feel it's the the sex scene is where it's like really comes together. I think one of the great things that this movie does is like the sex scenes are really earned because yeah. we really see them falling in love. Yeah. Right. It doesn't. I mean, it's pornographic, but it doesn't feel like that's its only purpose. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like they're they're very graphic sex scenes, but again, it, it's kind of earned in terms of how well he's establishing the love story and the right. love that these characters have. Well, in particular, in regards to the development of Hadaiko, who like for all intents and purposes has like no one. N- there's <laughs> no love in her. Yeah. You know, like she's there's no way that she could like 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 the fact that she has emotions for Suki, I think, surprises her. And that's why these sex scenes are so graphic is is kind of for that development of that character, I think. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and it's it's more telling when we get to the sex scene in part two, and Hadaiko has this like inner monologue thing that says, "Oh, this is the." It's not even in the sex scene actually. It's um, when Suki is telling her about like, "Don't feel bad that your mo- mother died giving birth to you. Like she would be so happy that you exist." And um, she says in her inner monologue, "This is the kind of companionship that you only hear about in books." Right. Like, this is this is like what love actually is and it really also plays in the scene where she strikes suki and like throws her out of the room oh yeah because suki is like final is saying like no you've got to marry the count and she says well what if i was in love with someone else and she says but you got to marry the count and that's when she realizes like you idiot i'm in love with you and she gets like so mad because like suki's not reciprocating it right like you feel so bad until part two where Suki like saves her from hanging herself yeah, and yeah. like admits the whole thing. You're like, oh wow, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> and again, um, little things that were established early on that you like wouldn't necessarily notice or like be like, well, what's the deal with that? Is like in all the hat boxes that Suki uh, is going through while um, Hadaiko is off in her reading practice. Yeah, there's a rope. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What is up with the rope in the hat box? And then later in the film, she goes and grabs that hat box and runs out of the house. Kill it, trying to kill herself. Right. You're like, in the, isn't there a scene where it's just hanging from the tree and they just walk by it? Like, like there's a scene where it's it's just it's there in the set and like the whole scene plays right past it. And I think it's oh, like it's probably like the day after. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the day after, and like it's that's it's before that night is explained. Yeah, and it's just there, and it's I was like, wait, what the fuck? Because <laughs> that was even before uh, it shows the scene that her aunt hung herself. Yeah, like, where they just yes, ta- it was they, it, they, the they did talk about it, but then they it was before they showed it. And yeah, then, and yeah, okay, and oh, man, he's just this. It was. Well, you <laughs> just can't get over how well this movie was constructed. Yeah, and like kind of going back to like the sex scenes and how throughout the movie you like there's more like graphic nature of like what the sex scenes are like as the movie is revealed and as the characters are revealed more. So it's like really this cool like double way of like building these characters through you know like the dialogue and through like their like portrayal in the movie but then also like they actually show like scenes that were from earlier like they show like you know longer like extended like parts of that of like seeing more of what what happened with those characters yeah and it's like fleshes everything out in a really cool way both in terms of like how it's written and in terms of like how it's shot for the scenes it's it's really god it's so so good (laughs) it's so masterfully made and 
<clears throat> Another thing I love in the scene where um, Hideko is trying to hang herself, Suki is holding her up and like tearfully like explaining everything and going through uh. the thing. and then she gets so mad at the count for a minute that she drops Hideko right. and just, like hanging there yeah. <laughs> while she's like that bastard will get him. It's like oh no, we that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she picks her back up. It's like this great moment of levity and and kind of going back to what we were talking about with the sex scenes and like the graphic nature of them. It's also kind of uh, erotica and porn is is a theme throughout the movie because in the beginning you're like, oh, the owner of the house, like he's this great lover of books. He has this great library of books. And then it's later on in part two that we realize, oh, no, it's, it's all porn. Yeah. Right. He just has a giant collection of porn. Right. And, yeah. And then he just has beautiful women read the porn. Yeah. yeah. To like his group of like gross men yeah <laughs> that come over and listen to it's it and, and, and i love how it develops you know like that whole aspect develops where like it begins where when uh suki like runs in to the reading like you and she gets stopped by the fake snake that is one of the scenes where i noted the amazingness of the cinematography oh, where yeah. she because you have that amazing zoom in down the long yeah. hallway of the library to where they're reading and then this deliberate pan across to the uncle and then pan back across to Suki. And right. It's just dynamite. And oh, that yeah. same scene is echoed later in the film where... Um, the flashback? Yeah, and the flashback was the aunt like tries to run away. Right. And then the gate yep. closes down and she has to slowly walk the whole way, All back the way back as the camera just follows her with that long walk. <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> but uh, like his his creepiness is like first etched out in that first scene where like suki like goes and stumbles in on the reading and then it like it gets creepier and creepier as it gets like more and more is revealed to the point that like when the shot in the basement is is shown that he straight up has like genitalia in jars like on and, these shelves and like it's like a giant and octopus. a giant octopus yeah. which yeah, is a giant a, octopus. The octopus is a runner in Park Chan Wook. Oh, as well. definitely. Oh, I yeah. noticed it's, that. it's like I think it's like in every one of his films. I've only seen Old Boy in this one, but I've heard that like some the Lady Vengeance and Mr. Vengeance both have octopi in them. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, that, that that was the that scene in Old Boy was really weird too like when he's just like eating a live octopus and it's yep. like yeah, the tentacles just like wrapping around his face like <laughs> I, I was listening to uh, the canon episode on old boy the other day and they said this great thing about if leonardo dicaprio can get an oscar for eating a like liver that like doesn't raw liver that doesn't need to be raw because he's right next to a campfire right then the actor from old boy should get an oscar for not for eating a live octopus not once but like three times <laughs> god yeah that's yeah give that man an oscar <laughs> yeah no kidding but yeah anyway getting back into this amazing park chan walk movie um i love the mystery of the vial like that's set up in part one when we see the wedding and uh Hideko just holds out her hand and looks at the count and there's this lo long beat and then he just places this vial in her hand and she closes it and you're like oh what is that <laughs> it's this great setup of a mystery that then gets revealed as to what it is right because it's the poison like the concentrated opium that like oh if you take this he can't take you to the basement or you can use it to knock me out for like three days and then <laughs> 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 my pants down in the nova hotel room just 
that was a great scene when she poisons him like, oh i know because oh how it builds and everything like and just the way she's seducing him and trying to get him to drink the wine and right. he won't drink the wine and finally she just pours it into her mouth and like kisses him and like spits the wine into his mouth right. while she's kissing him yeah no it's Ugh. yeah <laughs> everyone just acts the fuck out of this movie everyone just knocks it out of the park um i mean everyone is just cast really well i really like how creepy the uh uh who, who is the character the the old guy what's his name the uncle the uncle oh um they, they like never say the char- most of the characters names right too, which is why it's so hard to like well well also i was really stumbling through the synopsis is like oh name 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 <laughs> i'm like oh, okay and also not in my native language and right yeah but like he was like a, just a really interesting character like how he was you know korean but he hated his korean heritage and he tried everything to become like japanese and like married like a you know japanese woman and well, like set aside his korean wife to marry right. a japanese yes. woman and then still sleeps with his korean wife and... right yeah um yeah that was it was just bizarre uh, uh, there was another little levity moment that i really liked which is um when the guys have captured the count and they're bringing him back to the house he pulls out three cigarettes he's like it's him and he's in between these two oh yeah, guys. yeah. he pulls out three cigarettes and lights them and you're like oh he's gonna like share cigarettes with these right. guys yeah. but <laughs> no he just smokes all three of them <laughs> the guys like open the windows and you just see all this smoke pouring out of the car <laughs> yeah. it's this great joke yeah that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah i like i that, that that was another really good character that like he, he was just just such a smart you know vile jerk asshole prick <laughs> oh yeah you know like throughout um <laughs> like even to the to the end like when he gets poisoned like it's not like he gets like taken advantage of in any way like he's still on point like he knows that she's up to something you know yeah. and like he ends up like f- forcing himself well, upon he, he's her he's trying you know? to rape her but right. then he passes out yeah from the, yeah and so I, I i like how it even did that you know like it, it wasn't like it like she had to take advantage of a weakness of his is that she actually had to kind of outsmart him yeah um yeah. And uh, the, it's just those little nuanced things that plays up into to make a movie like this feel so satisfying to me. I feel that like as opposed to just being lazy and like relying on tropes that like work, you know, and they work for us, you know, in the room. Here. And they work for yeah. a reason. I mean, and they work for a reason. Tropes for a reason. But, it, but I like how this is exactly yeah smarter than that and better crafted than yeah. that. It doesn't yeah. need those things. No, and um, it's this movie is just not it's not lazy and. And I just really appreciate that. It's it feels uh, like especially this last summer, I felt like a lot of the movies were just even the ones I really liked. You know, they they were pretty just meh. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And I think this was by far one of the best films of 2016. Yeah. Like it's I can think of very few American movies that I would put in this category, like Moonlight, Arrival, um, like a. Like I have a hard time going on with any others. <laughs> um, like, just I love the way that the timeline of part one joins to the timeline of part two when we join back to like, oh, now Suki is arriving. Right. Like it. It's so just smooth. Well, yeah. it's it's an excellent way to tell the story. You know, without revealing without revealing everything at once. It's it breaks it up, but not in an annoying way. That like I keep on I keep on while i was watching it i kept on comparing it to christopher nolan just because that's just like a comparable 
uh, director only in the sense that he's addicted to breaking up timeline in his stories and his movies to a really annoying extent and i don't know if either of you have seen um dunkirk yet but like it's just so forced that it's just like you really didn't need to do that you know like you really didn't need to chop that up that could have been linear whereas this movie like how park time look like breaks it up where to tell like two you know like two povs of like the same time yeah Mm -hmm. um it just it's so good it just pays off so well and how like how they intertwine together where like you get that double whammy where it's like oh nah she didn't betray her they were both betraying him like yeah (laughs) here's my question um the fire in the mental hospital was that like set by somebody deliberately or was that just something she was taking advantage of it had to have I took it as Suki said it because like she was she was like referred to herself as like being this like kind of like master thief you know learning yeah how to, she's like, great pickpocket right yeah, like doing stuff since a very young age so schemer yeah I imagine she I said could buy it, it that yeah. she said it yeah I, I mean it's too coincidental for it to be that's a great scene too where she's sitting there in the mental hospital she's eating a ball of rice and she sees a roach in it and she just starts laughing <laughs> and, and then, like she's laughing and everyone's kind of like what's up and then they smell the smoke and they're like oh fire 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 <laughs> unlocks her shackles and gets out you're like oh yeah <laughs> so no. I had a question uh, are quickly growing toenails like a desirable trait <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird. <laughs> They're thing. like, yeah, like when the count gets here, like, like when the count came, he was like, oh yeah, like tell her like her toenails are growing faster while I'm here. But I, <laughs> I think that's more of a thing of him being a creep and not knowing stuff, yeah. like what to say either, because like he's saying, oh, you should like tell her that like, oh, her toenails are growing faster, <laughs> and what Suki says is a more real thing is like oh you've become flushed since the count arrived. yeah well no she said she does say the toenail thing at one she point. does say the toenail <laughs> thing at one point, but i think it's when she's more flagging and she's struggling to come up with something to say she goes or i'll go to with the dumb thing that the count said toenails. <laughs> your toenails have been going so quickly i love the, the interactions between the count and suki but like there's like Suki's getting more reluctant to do it and he still wants to do it and I love the line don't ever put my hand on your tiny joke of a cock (laughs) I totally wrote that down and I was like damn that was amazing (laughs) but she's also like really on thing but then she actually comes at it from another angle to get him to back off I was like well then don't push so hard she'll close up like a clam like you gotta take it easy and he's like oh okay you are still in on the scam (laughs) right but then it's also Hadaiko is watching from the other side of the shrub because she thinks that like they're still scamming Suki in the right. way, and it's <clears throat> uh. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's beautifully constructed, and I just love how it's executed. Um, it makes me kind of want to read the book. I, I am interested in the book, actually. The same story, but set in Victorian England. And... Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, ooh, what else? I feel like I have more to say on this. Um, I love the shot um, from outside the hotel where we see the Count's room and Hadaiko's room. Uh-huh. And then, like, we see through the window Hadaiko exiting her room and coming into the Count's room. It's just another one of those, like, pieces of cinematography. That I'm like, that's so gorgeous and so cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um i i just loved all the sets that they that they use just like how like it's a period in a place that i'm just not familiar with at all i mean imperial japan in the early or, or uh, occupied korea right yeah in the um, 1930s and yeah it, it was it was a cool little shot into that like fuck i i know nothing about that time or yeah. that era but it's also i love the mix of styles that like the the uncle loves both english architecture and style and japanese so that house is a mix of both right they have like the english manor house that might as well be downton abbey then they have the library which is just a full-on japanese estate right and it's so cool like i again the zoom out shot after they like refurbished the library and they put all like the little koi ponds and mm-hmm. like um zen gardens and stuff in there it's just great zoom out where like um hadaiko is like sitting there in like the full-on gorgeous costuming and we have this pan out to show like this whole gorgeous room <laughs> yeah oh it was so cool i love those i love those uh koi ponds and the zen rock gardens and all yeah. that bonsai trees and stuff it's such a cool aesthetic um yeah i wish i was that organized in my life to have something as neat (laughs) also that you had the money to yeah Yeah. (laughs) god just but even if you like did have that like in your you know house or whatever like you just happened to have it like think of how organized you'd have to be in order to keep it that way you know like oh yeah just to be on top of your shit have a staff that's what it comes down to (laughs) yeah you just need money guys that's the answer that's that's the answer to all life's problems right money that's (laughs) (laughs) speaking of money i like that as kind of the count's motivation for all this stuff there's a great scene where he's kind of describing what his ultimate goals are and it's not even her or her fortune per se it's like he said i don't know how to put it to order wine without looking at the price yeah It's like if you have to ask how much it costs, it's too much. You're like, you can't afford it, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like, and he just wants to get from a life where he's worried about money to a life where, like, yeah, money's no object. I don't care. Right, yeah. He wants, yeah, he wants the status that her whole family has. Yeah, and in that same scene he's talking about, he was, like, educated in England, and he would meet these fine English gentlemen, and they were fascinated by how he would spend a whole month's salary on one elegant meal. And so, like, they taught him the mannerisms and they taught him, like, how to be proper and all this stuff. Mm. And so now that's, like, what he aspires to. Uh, oh, I, I missed that. Right. I will also say this movie is even better the second time through. Because <laughs> the first time I watched this, I was like you. I sat there just glued to the screen. And when it finished, I was like, I did not take a single note. <laughs> and so I watched it again just so I can take, make some notes. But right. I mean, everybody seriously watch this. Yeah. No, you yeah. Can, it's if you're Amazon Prime, you can watch this for free. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's, I, I, I'll just kind of end my whole thing on it that it's just, um, it's one of the few movies that it's just like, you get done seeing it and you you're just so satisfied by everything that was involved in it because it hits on on all aspects that like i i like kind of uh chart you know when trying to enjoy a movie just subconsciously you know like the cinematography the writing the direction the acting um and all of those things it just it's just such a home run you know yeah. um to, and and i think i think the, the fact that like you can you you could sit there for two and a half hours and it feels like maybe an hour yeah is the testament to that yeah 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'll finish on. Um, you guys got anything else to say about The Handmaiden? I don't think so. I mean, it's just so good. Yeah. Thanks, Colin. Excellent pick. Yeah. Well, thanks to Drew. Um, Drew has been recommending this movie to all of us. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that one. I'll just sight unseen. I'll watch this Park Chan-wook movie that Drew recommends. And oh boy, was it worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised it took me this long to watch this for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when it first came out and I was like, yeah, I love that. Like, fuck yeah. Time to not watch that movie at all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, um, I guess that wraps up our review of The Handmaiden. Um, I don't know why I'm saying it that way. The Handmaiden. (laughs) (laughs) The Handmaiden. (laughs) The Handmaiden. Um, and now for something, um, a little completely different, uh, our next movie will be Troll Hunter, which is, uh, what year was that? Like, 2010 is what I want to say. Yeah, I think, yeah, 2010 or 2011. It's a Swedish independent, uh, sci-fi Thriller? Yeah, it's sci-fi dark comedy. Sci-fi dark mockumentary. Or I think like fantasy dark comedy. Or something. something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I watched a while ago. Um, like I want to say five years ago or so. Uh, so I'm excited to watch it again. Um, I remember enjoying myself for sure. Uh, so that will be the next movie to kind of finish our foreign films block. And uh, we were tossing around some ideas of uh, doing what, like a spy? Yeah, I think we were with with uh, Kingsman. The Golden Circle coming out, we can do that as a blockbuster series and then jump from there into a spy block. Yeah, um, which I think would be fun. Um, one of uh, Colin and I's uh, favorite podcast bars, uh, James Bonding, just came back. And so that kind of like got me more interested in it as well. Um, so with Kingsman 2 and then that James Bonding podcast, I was like, yeah, why, why not? The, why the hell not? You know, there's a lot of good spy movies out there that aren't just James Bond um, but we're still going to have a James Bond movie. But we're still going to have a James Bond movie. I'm, I'm a, on this podcast. We're going to do a James Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think that'll be our next block. Um, I don't really, I don't know. I don't think any of us are like that big into horror to do like a kind of a Halloween, a Halloween type yeah. of thing. So, yeah. eventually, maybe. Eventually, yeah. We'll do something, but maybe out of context, like in February or something. <laughs> Anyways, um, guys got any recommendations i got one to kick it off let's hear it um all right well a uh, long long time ago in a in a time far far away uh, cullen bought a game arkham knight and played the hell out of it and was like dennis play this game and i was like sure and i didn't <laughs> for a really long time <laughs> <For> like two <laughs> years <laughs> and i finally put it in and i'm playing it and now i'm recommending it it's fucking amazing it's awesome it's awesome it's like playing a batman movie uh it's so cinematic and it's just gorgeous and the story is super dark. And, um, and yeah, I was going to say, you haven't finished the story yet, but the story, I think, is the best story of any Arkham game. Oh, I believe yeah. it. Yeah. I believe it. Um, I, like, right as of now, uh, I mean, I'm not that far into it at all. I'm, I'm a good solid, like, two solid sessions into it. Um, but as of now, I still kind of just lean towards the aesthetic of Arkham City just because I like how, like, Arkham City felt like I was playing a comic book. You know, just because of, like, that thing. But I can feel myself kind of moving more towards this game. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested when you finish it. Yeah. So, let me know. Um, so, yeah. That's my recommendation. Some some video game. Arkham Knight. Nice. Yeah. I will recommend Runaways. It's a comic. Marvel. It's, like, about a group of kids who find out their parents are super villains. And so they run away. And that's the story for the most part 
their adventures and the crazy things that they get into and trying to like hide and escape from their evil parents who are trying to destroy the world. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I know they just brought it back. Like they just started a new uh, run of it, which I haven't read yet. I've been going back through the old, uh, the original stuff and I'm just, I'm just about to get to the, uh, the book uh, Dead End Kids and Joss Whedon wrote that volume. So huh. I'm pretty excited to get back into that one. Interesting. Yeah. That Runaways. Sounds good. Marvel Runaways. And I think they're making a show here soon-ish. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> they a show out of everything. Uh, <laughs> what you got, Colin? Uh, I'll recommend a podcast. It's a podcast that is over, um, but you can still get it, and it's it's pretty good. It's a, the Dead Authors podcast. It's a Paul F. Tompkins in character as H.G. Wells, and he <laughs> goes back in his time machine to get different dead authors and bring them in to do an interview. Oh. Uh, it's always different comedians, like um, Matt Gorley does Ian Fleming, and Matt Gorley does um, Carl Sagan. Oh, how fun. Um, definitely, definitely check out the episode with Timberly Hill as um, Maya Angelou. That is one of the funniest things you will hear in your life because her Maya Angelou is so funny and so on point. And it's one of those things, if you're a Paul F. Tompkins fan, you love when he's laughing or when like someone is breaking him. Right, yeah. And through this entire podcast, Timberly Hill has PFT laughing so hard <laughs> at everything that you're just like, oh, this is the most fun. <laughs> so definitely, uh, it's also all for a uh, charity. It benefits a tutoring program in Los Angeles. Oh, no shit. So yeah, check out the Dead Authors podcast. Oh, uh-huh, cool. I've been meaning to. That was one of those podcasts that I was like, oh, I'll listen to that sometime, and then never did. Yeah, so uh, I'll check it out. I would say do like the Carl Sagan or the um, Ian Fleming or Maya Angelou. Those uh, are like my top recommendations. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Um, I'll uh, just do a second one, uh, just because uh, I just saw this movie and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, um, blah, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, I know there's a lot of Spider-Man fatigue out there because they did five fucking movies in like what a decade and a half 15 I know. years and, and like two three franchises at this point yeah, yeah and so much and I, <laughs> like, I resisted i was like i just i don't yeah, have it's, the i'm right there with you man right there with you the only reason why i saw this is just because it was in the elvis cinemas and like you know hey it was a good date night you know so it was yeah. like yeah let's go see spider-man that's playing still and then i was like cool you know it could have been any movie and I would have seen a movie that night. But it happened to be Spider-Man Homecoming. And I thoroughly enjoyed this Spider-Man. I, it was one of those things where it was like, man, I wish the past iterations didn't happen because this would be a fresh fucking take. You know, because it is a fresh fucking take. And uh, unfortunately, it is kind of tinged from the other ones just because you're just like, because of the Spider-Man fatigue. But uh, if you can, if, you know, you're you're kind of bored one night and want some Marvel in you and you haven't seen it, go see it. Yeah, I plan to check it out. You should. I think you would enjoy I it. Gotten around to. Um, there's a few. Uh, there's a few things I'd like to discuss with you guys about it, actually. Um, so just, just, just because we're all Marvel fans, and yeah, know, yeah. But there's a few things about it that I'd like to talk about. That I'm gonna kind of leave out on this recommendation. Anyways, that'll wrap it up. Um, going on to just uh, any corrections and ear omissions from anything else that we've done. Um, well, I can't think of anything. Nothing really. No. From City of God. Yeah, it's no. really sad. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> great, though. Great. Yeah, no, yeah, great. Fantastic. Yeah. Must see. Uh, just not with me. Yeah. Because I don't think I'll see it again. Because I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one of those watch ones. 
you can follow our podcast on Twitter at IWYTWT, as well as us individually on Twitter. I'm at the Debucks. I am at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch. And you can find all of our episodes uh, streaming on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT. Uh, there's some talk that SoundCloud's not going to be around much longer, and I hope that's not that's not going to come into yeah, fruition because that, I like that would it. Be kind <laughs> of- catastrophic for a lot of podcasts not yeah, just ours I don't want to move <laughs> that's for sure it's a pain in the ass getting started <laughs> um, uh, anyways uh, you can find us yes on SoundCloud and as well as many 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 uh, podcast listening apps like Overwatch or Stitcher or iTunes and if you're listening to us on either your, any of those please write us a review I know that you can write us a review on any of those apps uh, it would be great if you gave us five stars and just wrote a little bit of thing. And if you do, I will, I will read, I will read your name. I will, I will thank you on our podcast. Um, I've been wanting to for a while, and you haven't given me anything. God damn it! So please do that. It's a good way to help grow our audience as well as just telling other people about it. Yeah, if you have a friend who you think would like our silly little show, tell them about it. Yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. Um, hell i've said it before if even if it was just for no one i would still do this because it's just so much fun yeah but, um like i like having these conversations yeah. and i like listening to them later so for sure but it would be a hell of a lot more fun if we had a conversation with some fans out there you know um it'd be really cool you can find me on facebook um pretty easily facebook dennis buckles um i'm still trying to get a facebook page roll and i really don't like what i had started it looked like it was like a product page but what the fuck am i selling you know <laughs> And so I'm trying to get, like, a community thing going so people could like, go on and just, like, talk about movies, suggest movies for us to review, shit like this. Uh, we might want to try to just make it a group. Yeah. A group page. I think that's what we I want to do. More of a community type mm. thing. So. All right. Mm. I think that's what I want to do. All right. There's ideas out there. Yeah. yeah. Just shaking it up. Just shaking it up. <laughs> but uh, if you do have a recommendation for us, you can uh, just probably the easiest way is just find us on Twitter. Um, anyways, Ramblin', join us next week for Troll Hunter. And thank you for listening. 